So my hero maker was my mom, and she was the person that loved others well because she loved Jesus so much. She was always behind me um, and encouraged me in my faith. She always encouraged me to use the gifts and the talents that God had given me. And even though they were uniquely very different from her, she encouraged me by telling me that God was gonna use me for great things and um, helped me to discover how to use my gifts and talents. My mom seemed like she was just living her ordinary faith when she um, intentionally taught me the ways of the Lord and taught me what it meant to interact with God. She was highly relational. She loved people deeply, including myself, and that's what made my mom such a hero maker in my life. So I want to pass on to my children the faith that my mom also taught me, and not just to pass that on, but to make it a faith of their own, the way that my mom encouraged me to do, um, not just so that I look just like my mom, but so that I look more like Jesus. My mom prayed for me regularly also. Um, the power of prayer cannot be overstated because my mom's prayer got me through the good times and the hard times. And I do believe that as we pray for each other, it strengthens us in our faith. And my mom's prayers did that for me in my life as well. So um, there was a time when I talked to my mom and um, I often shared things with her that were going on in my life, whether it was struggles or um, things that God had placed in my path. And my mom would often say things like, that's something that God has equipped you for, and you have been prepared for this. And we would even pray about things together. Um, so in those ways, mom gave me the ability to believe in myself when I may not have otherwise. She saw something in me that I always didn't see. And when she um, encouraged me in those things, I believed in myself. One thing you may not know is that Judy's mom uh, passed away just this year, suddenly. And um, I don't know about you, but there's these voids that happen in our life with these hero makers, these people that speak life into us when they're gone. A few years ago, um, serving here, there's a lady, her name's Nancy Stump, and Nancy um, kind of met her in the hallway, and she looks just like my Grammy, my Betty Johnston. And I said to her, I said, you remind me so much of my grandma. And she was really important in my life, and every time I see you, and Nancy, she's always sewing, doing all these different things, which my grandma was a quilt maker. And so there's so many things that remind those two connections. So it was just like a year ago, I got done with a sermon, services were over, and Nancy comes walking down, and I'm talking to somebody, and um, so I walk over to Nancy, and she grabs my shoulders, and she goes, the Lord told me to tell you something today. So, intently press in. She goes, your grandmother would be so proud of you. And it was this moment, like, I wasn't quite ready for it, right? Because my, my Grammy, she was kind of like a second mom to me. So like I'm in the middle of everybody and all of a sudden I start crying. My granny would be proud of me. Like what, what's going on inside of me? But I believe it's this. I believe the ability to speak truth, to speak these profound encouragements into one another's lives does something. One thing I know about Judy and her mom is her mother spoke profound truths into her life. 
remember talking to Judy right after um, summer of the last, our VBS in the summer, and it was after the first night. Judy had been working like crazy, and she goes, I said, how are things going? And she goes, you know what? It's nights like tonight that I really miss my mom, right? Because these are the nights that she would have called her, and she would have said, you're doing great. Things are going well. These hero makers in our lives are very important. Why? Because they speak truths that no one else speaks, and their power in our lives and how God uses them is really shown many times in their absence, or in my case, in their absence, yet someone all of a sudden through the Lord made them very present in my life when Nancy spoke those truths into me. So today we're going to look at Hero Maker. We're continuing our series. We're in the second part, five essential practices. We're in the second practice, and the second practice is permission giving. So we're going to be reading from Matthew 4, 18 through 22 in just a moment. But, but Hero Makers, right? Hero Makers play a unique role in speaking truths that inspire others to pursue the fullness of who God has made them to be. Jesus spoke profound, spoke profound truths that inspired the disciples to pursue something far bigger than themselves. So kind of a, a way of thinking today, hero making, speaking truth into others that inspires them to act upon their faith. So if you will, let's stand and read this morning, Matthew 4, 18 through 22, in honor and reverence of God's word, we'll stand and read Matthew 4, 18 through 22, reads, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, this is Jesus, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, would you today speak to us and from this text, Lord, reveal to us that which you, you have for us today. Lord, we believe that you speak and you do so from your word, from the power of your spirit. And so, Lord, where we are today, find us. Lord, speak into us that we might look more like you. Father, use me to whatever end you desire today, I ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this passage today, a little bit of context of what's happening. And so there's, um, Jesus had been baptized, right? And, uh, and he went through a temptation in the wilderness. And then he comes out of this and he's doing ministry. And there's, he comes across brothers, Simon and Andrew. They're casting their nets. They're fishermen. And he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, what's important is this isn't their first kind of glimpse of Jesus. They, we see in John that there was another time where they had kind of glanced upon Jesus. They'd seen his ministry. They'd seen what he was doing. But this was a culmination of them being around him. And so he walks up to them and he says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And then it says, immediately they left their nets and followed. Now, this is an important word, immediately. There was a response. There was an immediacy to answering the Lord. So then it goes on. There's two other brothers. Two other brothers, James and John, right? And their dad in a boat, his name is Zebedee. And they were mending their nets or fixing their fishing nets. And he called them, right? And I believe referring up to the previous call, right? come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, right, again, immediately they left 
the boat, their father, and they followed Jesus. So what do we see in this text about Jesus and this kind of greater work that he's doing? First thing that we see is that he saw them. He, he saw them individually as men, and he called them. He, he didn't see others in this text. He, did, he didn't do this kind of great grand call. He saw them individually, and individually he spoke to them. So little, little thing about this, Jesus speaks to individuals. He cares about individuals, and I believe he cares about you and will speak personally to you. So in this, he, he saw them, and he gives an invitation. And the invitation is this, follow me. Now, notice this, uh, oftentimes we'll major on other parts, but he says, follow me. So who is the object of our following? Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus is the object of our following. And so the object, again, Jesus. So this is a really a call. What he's saying is, come follow me, come worship me. And his work in them, right? So, so we see this invitation and then his work in them. He says, follow me and I will make you. Meaning that he is going to transform them. He's going to change them. He's going to give them a new identity. He's going to give them a new way of life. What has been will be no more. Everything is about to change. And this is consistent with the teachings of Jesus. That he is going to call them to radical discipleship and radical transformation. Meaning that I am going to make you someone different than you are today. So... And this, just so we're clear, oftentimes what we do with Jesus is, is kind of this. We say, so here's the deal. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but let's talk about the contract here really quick. Now, we'd never say it in these words, but here's the conditions of my con- contract with you. Like, I will follow you, and you can make me into something, but it needs to be in regards of what I want. So you can make me something, but it looks like a three-bedroom house right? And a fairly decent neighborhood, right? I don't like crime. And right? we kind of scale it out. You can make me and I will follow you on these terms. So notice in this text that the disciples have no terms. There's no negotiating. He says, I'm going to make you. And at, at that end, you don't call the shots on this. I call the shots. His transformation is his work, not our work, and it's his standard, not our standard. And so in the text, what what we see, his work in them, right? I will make you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to give you a new identity. If you come after me, you can trust me. Jesus saw them, and he saw in them an ability to become someone useful for his greater work. Just a side note, I believe that every person in this room is useful for the greater work of God in this world. I believe that every person in this room, God longs for, desires to use you for his greater purposes in this world. So, he saw them. By the way, he sees you. Second, he he defined the result. So he saw them and then he defined the result. So, it goes on, he says, I will make you what? Fishers, right? So, this is a, fishers is a a way to make a living. It is not a hobby. So, fishing in Northeast Ohio typically looks like, I'm going to go do something fun on Saturday. This wasn't the case for them. This was a a profession. This was a way of life. So, fishers, there's, there's some, there's some, there's kind of underneath this analogy of fishers of men, there is 
there's one, it, it is a profession, right? It is a living. So he's saying that I'm going to change your profession. I'm going to change the object of what you do from the day to day. I'm going to give you a new calling on life. But there's also kind of an interesting in, in this analogy is that it is, he didn't say I'm going to like make you a sharpshooter, right? Where you're just going to like go out and like kill people like and bend them to your will. What he says is I'm going to, you're going to cast out nets and right, you're going to have the opportunity, right, to bring people in and there's an opportunity for them to escape or deny or whatever, but there's an opportunity for people to respond to, to come into the nets of this thing. So he uses this analogy, right, of, of I'm going to make you fishers, right, a new way of living, a profession, and then of men. And this is a, a new reason to live, that people matter. He didn't say I'm going to make you a builder of buildings. He didn't say that I'm going to do all these. He says of men, that, that the souls of men matter. So he says I'm going to make you a fisher of men, gospel workers, proclaimers. So the truth in this kind of is, in, inside of this text, he defined the result. And so the question I think we have to ask is, right, what is our aim and what is his aim? So what is our aim? What is it that we believe that God has asked of us? And I can't define that for anybody else in this room, but the question is, what do you believe that God has asked of you in this world and of life? Now, what I would say is 95% of Christians believe somewhere in them that God has not asked of them to share their faith. Because statistically, what they say is only 5% of Christians will ever share the gospel with someone else. So somewhere in this, we may say we believe in this gospel work, but functionally, I'm sure this church is 100%, right? We're a great church. But functionally somewhere, we don't live this out in the day-to-day life. So what is his aim for us? His aim is to make them, and I believe us, fishers of men, people who care about people. So, obeying the teachings of Jesus, right, his authority, it matters. Now, we talked about this last week, and we're probably going to talk about it every week as we go through the series. The question that we really have to ask ourselves is, who has the ability to speak into our lives? Who truly has the authority to tell me what to do? Now, I'm a fairly independent thinker, and so I'll say it like this. My wife sure doesn't tell me what to do, right? I do what I want, when I want, how I want. And there is, she's right there, right, baby? You know what I'm saying. So, I didn't know she was in here, no. I didn't know she was in here. But who truly has the authority over our lives to say, this is what you are going to go after, the ability to speak, to be heard, and obeyed? I believe that's a much harder question than we even have time to think about this morning. I believe it's a question worthy of time alone with God to contemplate. Who has the ability to to speak, to be heard and obeyed? And I believe in this text that the disciples responded, at this point in time for them, it was exclusively Jesus because they gave up much because they believed his voice was worth listening to. Again, I can't answer that for you, but do you believe? Do you believe that his voice is worth listening to? So, they had the ability to decide. 
And so he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So at the end of that verse, they haven't done anything yet, right? He just said something to them. So what was their response? So they responded. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So one of the things that they had to do, they had to decide. And one of the ways they had to decide, they had to let go of old dreams. They had to let go of old plans. They had to let go of the way they thought their life was going to go. Immediately, they left their nets. Now, that word immediately, they left their nets, it actually is the word, same Greek word that is used for divorce. They divorced themselves from their nets. They pushed away. They put an end to their nets. They put an end to their fishing to chase after the better dream that Jesus had called them to. So immediately they left their nets and followed him. There's a principle buried inside of this is that we must let go of to move forward. We have to remove our lives of certain things in order to move forward with what God has for us. Another way to say that would be there needs to be necessary endings for new beginnings. Now, how many of you, just raise your hand, you love change in your life. Anybody love some change? Bring some changes on. There we go. I know you, that's true of you, Aaron. And so um, some, some people do, but not that many of us love change. So I have really bad news for you today. The Christian life is full of change. Because it's a life of transformation, meaning that what you once were is not what you will always be, and who you are today is not who you will be in a year, if you come and follow after Jesus. In order to become something new and someone new, there are things that you are going to have to let go of so that you can move forward, because not everything fits in your life as well as you think it does. So there are going to be times where Jesus says you need to let go of this relationship. You need to let go of this profession. You need to let go of these possessions. You need to let go of in order to move forward. And really, the question becomes in this is when I hear his voice speak these things, will I have the courage? And it will take courage to say, I believe that your kingdom is bigger than my kingdom. I believe that by being a citizen of your kingdom, that I can trust you with whatever you ask, even when it doesn't make sense. And so I am going to allow necessary endings to come in my life so that I can experience all the new beginnings that you have for me. Life is full of seasons. The Ecclesiastes said so, not the birds, if you know what I'm talking about. There is a season, right, for everything. There is a season for everything. And some things need to die for a new season to come. That's hard, isn't it? But if we don't navigate these things, we will never obey God. We must let go to experience new beginnings. So in this, if this is the teaching, right? Jesus, he saw them. He defined the result, right? I'm going to make you into fishers of men. So he was very explicit on what he was going to do with them. And by the way, just a little bit, we have the whole text of scripture. Did Jesus accomplish this task of which he set out to do with these men? Completely. They gave their life to taking the gospel to the known world. He made them fishers of men extraordinaire, unlike the world has ever seen. So in this, what are the the things that we can see in this? If Jesus was permission giving, unleashing people's potential, seeing the mission through men, and the men would see the mission through other men, this kind of multiplicative downline, pushing my life, giving it away to someone else, what are the things that we can see in this for us? 
to be permission giving, unleashing people's potential in time. I think there's three keys to that, this that we see in this text. The first is that we, we must, that, so the first thing is to see beyond yourself. To see beyond yourself. Right? Matthew 4.19, to, to look at others and see what they offer because we, we often don't. So he said again, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God sees us not where we are, but where we will one day be, just as he saw Abraham, Moses, and David, not as they were, but as they would be. So how this worked is God saw Abraham and he said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. One of the things that we know about Abraham's life is when God said that to him, that is not who he was. But God saw him and who he would be and who he would become. He sees Moses. Moses was out in the middle of the wilderness, on a mountain, all alone. And God speaks to him and says, I'm going to use you to be a redeemer for my people. You're going to go and you're going to speak to Pharaoh. And he lists all these major things. And David goes, no way. He saw him not as he was, but as he would be. Right? Moses, David, David. Pretty tough dude. He was like wrestling bears and lions and tigers. Oh my. I mean, he was doing all this kind of pretty intense stuff. I think I would be a lot like David if I grew up then. And so, um, and, and so, so in this, like he, he sees David, right? And he says, you're going to be a king. You're going to do all these great wonderful things. He saw David not, not who he was in the moment, but who he would one day be. And I believe that God sees you like that. I believe he sees me like that. We are works in progress. He is moving us to his greater work as we listen, obey his voice, and move toward these greater things. I believe, again, that everyone in this room, God has a wonderful plan for your life today, and that is to know Jesus and to serve Jesus and to obey Jesus. So God sees us, again, not where we are, but where we will one day be. So the implications of this, right? The implications is imagine the power of just simply seeing others. Imagine the power of you in your life seeing others and seeing the kingdom potential in them and beginning to speak these truths in their life. Imagine it with our children of seeing the compassion and the care and the longing for God and, and saying it is amazing how you have compassion in your heart, compassion in your soul, how you care for others and we fan the flame of these wonderful things that God has placed inside of them. We give them better dreams for their life. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I hope that my daughters achieve the fullest of who God's made them to be. And that might look like athletics and that's gonna look like education. It's going to look like all these other things. But hear me on this. There's nothing more important in our kids' lives than them finding their place in the kingdom of God and living it out by faith. And that will happen when they're surrounded, not just by parents, but a community of people who speak life into them, who help them dream God-sized dreams and give them the resources and the help and the strength and the encouragement to chase after those things. Imagine a world, not just with children, but with adults looking to our left or our right, our spouses, our friendships, our relationships, where we're speaking life into people, saying, I see these things in you. I, I see in you the potential to be this, to do that. And we fan the flame of this great work of the gospel in this world that we see beyond ourselves. Now, I don't know if you believe this, but um, raise your hand if you do. Do you believe that we live in a... And I've, not only, I've only lived now, right? Like, this is my life. But it seemed 
it seems as though as far as history goes, this is a very self-centered time in which we live. Anybody agree with that? Like just a really self-centered. Do you think that that affects you at all? It affects me? I believe we live in a day more than ever where we need to see others. And we begin to deflect life being kind of this consumer all about me and we begin to make life about some people around us. And rather than having a critical word, we have a word that builds up, that equips, that strengthens, that encourages. By the way, those are all commands from the word. (laughs) And encouragement becomes normative more than discouragement. See beyond ourselves. The second truth and permission giving we see from this is to speak into others. So Jesus says, again, Matthew 14, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That, that we don't only see, but we speak life into others. Again, encourage, build up, strengthen. And speaking in, this is a, a call to call others to radical discipleship. The power of seeing others and speaking into their life. So we see beyond ourselves. We speak into others this encouragement. And then third, we take action together. We take action together. This is from Matthew 4.20. They were willing to go after what Jesus had called them to. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So the truth, kind of underlying this, again, I said this, is that we must let go to move forward. Necessary endings for new beginnings. If we do not navigate these, again, I don't believe we will ever obey God because undoubtedly things must end in order for obedience to happen. So, listen. So the, the listening, what is God wanting us to listen to in this? Believe this, is when you never make a mistake when you go hard after Jesus. So I believe that in this room, that there are many men and women who are called by God to, as a profession, serve him and work for him. What we call this is a call into ministry. I I remember it personally for me. I remember sitting in front of Brandenburg Hall at Wayne State College, 11 o'clock at night, praying with friends that that, that the gospel would come to our our campus. And we we prayed, and we were sitting there talking after we prayed. And I remember saying to Mike Poyser, who, Mike died three years ago, friend of mine in college, said, Mike, I don't think I can do anything else. So at that point in my life, I'd had like 14 jobs through college, never fired, but just saying, I'd had 14 jobs. I'd done a lot of different things. Worked at a shoe store, done construction, worked for a landscaping company, all kinds of weird things. And I don't think I can do anything else. And at that time, I'd set my sights on being a history teacher, but really I just wanted to be a wrestling coach and teach history on the side. And, uh, that was kind of my aim, and I thought, I, I just, I, I don't think that's what God's called me to. Now, there's been multiple times and moments in my life where I thought, maybe I should have done that, just saying. And so, but, but I knew that, I knew that wasn't what God wanted me to do anymore. And he'd been saying that to me over times, and we prayed right there, and I said, God, I said, God, I'm done. I believe this is your will for my life, and I'm going to go after it. So I dropped my education degree because I knew I'd turn back on it. And I knew that I had to 
like I had to get rid of something in order to, to hold myself accountable to my calling. And so I got rid of the education part. So I have a history degree, which is completely meaningless and, and useless. I don't know what you do with the history of that education. And I began a track down ministry. And I, I believe, I believe we, and I know this is true, we live in a time more than ever in America where fewer and fewer people are answering that call into ministry. And I believe it's important. I believe the call to pastoral ministry is really, really important. But I also believe there's a lot of other callings. I believe for every one of us, there's a calling in our life, in our families, where we live, work, and play every day to love Jesus, obey him, to be proclaimers of his good news. If you're a teacher, if you're a homemaker, if you're whatever it is that you find yourself, a business professional, wherever it is you find yourself to be obedient and following. And I believe there's as much of a calling on that as there's a calling into what I do. But I believe that God is calling people in this room. I believe that people have rejected that calling upon their life. I believe that maybe right now, for the first time, God is speaking it into your life in a personal calling. So there's these lies and these fears that pop up when these callings happen. One goes, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Built a life. <laughs> I, I, I just, it would be unwise to step in that. Here's what's crazy about when I was in seminary. It was full of 50-year-olds. It really was. Right, Dan? It was full of guys who'd left their professions and said, this is the work I'm going to give everything I have to the rest of my life. Will we have the courage and will we believe that the work of the gospel is the exclusive, most important work in all the world? I believe it is. And I believe whatever profession you find yourself in, you are useful for the kingdom of God more than you know. But in this, they took action together. They they had the courage and the faith to believe in a God whose kingdom was far bigger than their kingdom and that when they trusted Jesus, that he would take care of them. I believe that the power of seeing others, speaking to their life and together going after a better and bigger dream is what God really has for his church And so seeing together, taking action together, I think one of the hard things is I'm really grateful for Mike Poyser and I'm really grateful for some other people around my life like my wife in that season who believed in me, who confirmed God's calling upon my life and helped me step into it. When we live lives alone, it's very hard to have faith and to step into calling because the question is, um, did I have bad pizza last night? That's just crazy, don't think about it, move on. But when we have people around us that can affirm and confirm what God is saying and doing, we have the strength to run after it and the resources to run after what God has asked. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So, within this passage, within the life of Jesus, How did we see this hero making? How did we see this permission giving work itself out? So the what? Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of people. I'm going to send you out to reach others for my name. Why? Because there's a world that doesn't know me. 
This world was created to live out my intended ways. It is fallen and broken. I have come to redeem it, to die a death on a cross, to bear the sins of humanity, to be buried in a tomb, <clears throat> to rise from the dead, to defeat death, to be ascended to on high, to reign and rule over all things. And this world and these people are like sheep without a shepherd. I was made to be the object of their affection and they have rejected my rule and rebellion and I need people to go out and tell them the good news of what I've done. See, why? Because there's a world that doesn't know Jesus. And how? There's a connection here. This is this first calling that they have on their life, but there's gonna be a second calling that the disciples have. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men and what does Jesus do in his life and ministry? He does it. He teaches them and he shows them what it's like. And so it works out like this in his ministry. Come and listen, come and watch me. And this is kind of the first set season of the ministry of Jesus with the disciples. The second season that we see from Jesus, he says, engage in this with me. I'm gonna send you out two by two, come back and we're gonna talk about what happened. We're gonna talk about how this happened. Engage in this with me. And then the third, go and do for yourself, deploy and I'm gonna go with you into this end. So Jesus, what happens? So he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so he says, come and listen, come watch me, go and do, let's do this together. And then he says, now deploy, go and do this. And when he deployed them, he says, now, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all I have commanded you. Jesus said I was going to make you fishers of men. He completed that task. He indwelt them with the power of his spirit. He sent them out to make disciples, and they achieved this end, spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So Jesus did this, this is the object of what he was doing in the scriptures. So the simple commitment underlying this is, for us today, I believe, is a commitment to say, I will see beyond myself so that I might speak life into others to dream God-sized dreams. So there's two parts in this. One, there's a challenge in this text to dream a God-sized dream. But <clears throat> Jesus he had a God-sized dream, and that was through other men. And those men had a God-sized dream, and what was that through? Other men. And then those men had a God-sized dream, and that dream was through other men. Right? There's this calling in our life to see beyond ourselves so that we can speak life into others, to dream God-sized dreams, and then all of us together going after these God-sized dreams is this great, great applause, this great worship to our God in heaven. So hero-making Permission given is speaking truth into others that inspires them to act. And I just add to this, especially upon their faith. Now, I believe that you can be a hero maker, that you can help people pursue and go after things just by speaking truths into their lives that inspire them to act. Go into inspirational talks on YouTube this afternoon and be inspired, right? Go to the Hall of Fame and listen to Joe Namath and the Hologram. If you haven't been there, it's really cool. You will be inspired to go after greater things. But I believe that in this, hero-making, speaking truth in others, that inspires them to act, especially upon their faith. And so, for us, what do we do with what we've heard, what this text says? So again, immediately they left. What is the necessary ending for you today to follow Jesus? What is the thing that he is asking you to leave so that he can do this next big work in your life.
I believe this, that you are created for God. Each and every one of you, you are useful to God. You have value for his work and his mission in this world. And I believe what he is saying is, I want to make you into a hero maker. I want you, I want you to do greater things than you could ever think, dream, or imagine with your life. I know for me that Jesus radically transformed my life. And if there's any good that comes from my life, this is not a work in which I have done myself, but the work that he has done through the gospel in my heart and my soul. Learning to love him more than anything else. And by that, he is transforming my life. So right where you are, right, right where you are, or he may be calling you somewhere else, possibly something outside your comfort zone, something that makes no sense to anyone else. By the way, often when God calls us to things, it makes no sense. But for sure, he is calling you to be someone who gives and brings life to others as you have been given and been given life through Jesus. Jesus said simply, come follow me and I will make you. Will you today continue your journey of following him and him making you to whatever end he's asking you today? Let's pray. Father, would you help us today to respond to your word? Jesus, we thank you that you, you have set us free and you increasingly bring us into freedom as we trust in you as we believe that we are your sons and daughters, as we believe that your kingdom rules and reigns, that you can be trusted, that you are in control. And so, Lord, today, I believe that there's some in this room who you have called out to specific things. And, Lord, they've been pushing away from those things, creating excuses letting their fears drive them. Lord, would you release them of all those things and give them faith today to step into that which you'd have. Replace people around them to affirm them, to strengthen them, and to encourage them. Lord, help us to be people. The North Canton Chapel, who believe deeply in you, Jesus, who believe deeply in your work, who speak life into others, who encourage others to chase after you, who together go after big dreams. So Lord, rid our lives of petty pursuits and help us chase after that which is significant, that which matters. And whatever profession we find ourselves, or whatever whatever profession you call us into. Might all of our lives be for you, for your fame, for your glory, nothing else. For the person who's never trusted in you, Lord, give them the strength today to repent of their sins and turn in faith to you, Jesus. For all who have trusted, give us the strength 
to believe exclusively in you, Jesus. And might your voice overpower all other voices in our life and help us chase after your dreams, your plans. Lord, help us respond this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're gonna sing one last song. These altars are open. Might we respond appropriately to what God has said to each of us uniquely today?